0: You don't need a lot of money to do more with it. Join Padma Lakshmi, Viola Davis, and Fidelity's Women Talk Money team during our free Women's History Month series as we get real about ways you can start planning and saving for the future you want so you can feel good about your money every step of the way. Save your seat today at fidelity.com WHM. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity
1: Brokerage Services, member NYSE, SIPC.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by my old friend... Derek Cardi. I've known Derek for a long time, really since the beginning kind of of the daily fantasy industry as it were. Um, and I just wanted to kind of chat to Derek about modeling and about really some discrepancies that his style of modeling has versus the market. Uh, I, I find that stuff to be pretty fascinating. I hope that you guys find this conversation interesting. Uh, if you want to support this show, you can always subscribe on patreon.com slash for bonus episodes of the show. You can leave a Rating a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can just tell a friend about the show. Now let's go ahead and get into it. All right, everyone. Welcoming back into the show, my old friend, Derek Cardi. You know him, you love him. He is the proprietor of the bat and the blitz. We never got we never got the ball. The, you know the obviously to complete the trilogy we never got the advanced nba analytics model the ball we are we are going to get nerdy we are going to get in the weeds today uh derek man how's it going how you doing
1: i'm doing great thanks for having me on
0: so i i really have been wanting to pick your brain kind of about this stuff because when when we all first started doing this together uh when when our our paths crossed this was a long time ago this was when optimizers were very new sports betting <laughs> was not legal uh or i guess it was legal in las vegas and new jersey but if you really uh, probably if you had access to any kind of player prop nine years ago ten years ago you were probably just smoking whatever line was was available right um i mean i i barely even remember player props existing back then maybe maybe like when the super bowl got there we would think about it and then Things, things started to change pretty rapidly as it became clear that sports betting was going to be legal in the United States and that these big companies, both content-wise and fantasy sports provider-wise, wanted to start getting in on, on that piece of the pie. So I guess let's just start here. When did you realize that the bat and the blitz and that these models would translate well from fantasy to betting?
1: I think I realized it pretty early on. Um, like you said, you and I, we've known each other for a while. We worked at Fantasy Insiders together when DFS was kind of in its infancy. Um, you could just clean up at DFS. People didn't even know to play guys in course Field back then. Like it was just yeah. any projection would just, you would just dominate. Um, I was also kind of, I had friends in the betting space um, who were kind of like, you know, this would be great for betting. I'm like, yeah, but I, I can't bet. Um, I, you know, it's not legal anywhere. I don't live in Vegas and, uh, you know, there's not a huge market for it right now, or at least it didn't seem like it. Um, but yeah, like as it started to become clear, like, okay, this is going to get legal. Um, this is going to be huge. Um, I kind of just knew, you know, that, that it was going to be a perfect fit because I'm already projecting all of the things for fantasy that you want to project for for sports betting anyway and so it's just it was a pretty easy uh pretty easy transition
0: yeah so obviously a lot of people along the ways have done the fantasy model into sports betting model you know output or uh, a uh, fantasy output model and then you know uh, uh i guess segregating that down into you know how the points are actually accrued right uh yards receptions rushes so on and so forth now one of the first things you will learn uh and and in fact I think a lot of people maybe even listening to this would would have had this experience where oh I I built this pretty basic model right I mean you can go down to as simple as uh you know you basically just predict the amount of yards per game basically based off the Vegas total and and the historical comps there like let's let's just stick with football and then you predict the amount of plays based off that. And then you just segment them out by touches. And maybe you say like, oh, I've got a, a, a 19% edge on McCall Hardman's receptions in this game or whatever. And uh, the, the first thing you will learn a lot of the times is that actually if you're, if your model, quote unquote model, is showing consistently 20% edges in spots, you probably have broken something right something probably is not working there now the reason why i say that is generally is because there are a couple spots every year that show up particularly with the blitz i i guess i can't speak to how true this is with the bat where you will be off not only from the prop market right but from other content provider spots right so the the one that's the 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 best one i mean one that was a huge W for you was Nick Mullins in week 15 and week 18. You had him, I think in week 15 is the number one quarterback of the slate. He ends up throwing for 412 yards. Uh, You've got him for like 23 points in week 18. He ends up being the second highest uh, scoring quarterback of the slate. So my question, it's a long winded question. My question to you is you see these spots where your model is so far off of consensus of whatever a guy's prop line might be, what is your process for evaluating if you are right, wrong, or if something is
1: broken in there? So I have kind of a process set up where every week I can look at how the blitz compares to a number of other you know sources around the industry and kind of where it's standing out the most. And that kind of gives me an indication, okay, I should go in and at least look at this. Why am I different? than everyone else. Um, sometimes, not often, but sometimes, you know, I've missed something and it's a, it's a good way to check and say, okay, well, you know, I missed that, uh, you know, whatever. This guy was injured or this guy, you know, his role changed last week or like whatever it would be. Um, But sometimes it's okay. I think I'm accounting for this thing and I think everyone else is ignoring it. And so I'm okay being different.
0: Yeah, and I think being okay, being different is... Uh, you know, I guess it's sort of interesting too, thinking that, you know, we we imagine sports betting as you versus the guy, right? So it's it is it is me versus uh, Jason Robbins and his team of traders over over at DraftKings, right? It's it's me versus uh, uh, Rud, uh Rudman and Levine and their guys at an Underdog or whatever. But you know, that's not that's not really how sports betting works uh like when you when you start to dig into it it really is you are in a lot of spots counter trading other people who are going to to be disagreeing with you especially uh later in the week when lines are are you know there's a difference between betting uh an nfl game on uh, sunday morning versus monday afternoon or or whatever um so i guess how how often are you finding those spots like is the Mullins one really sticks out to me, but like how often when you are diving into stuff, do you find, you know, let's say 10% differences in, in football?
1: Yeah, it's, it's every week, honestly. Um, Every week this year, I've been confident that there are significant edges out there in the prop market. Sometimes they're on a lot of times they're on more obscure markets. You know, the pop generally, generally speaking, when it comes to sports betting, the more popular a market is, the more efficient it is. And so the less edge you're going to have, even with a good projection. Um, Obviously we know game, game lines, game totals, money lines, like you can get down tons of action on them, but the lines are super sharp. Your edges, if you have them are going to be very small, you know, then you move on to props and something like, uh, you know, anytime touchdowns or first touchdown that are so popular, like you're going to have a hard time finding edges on those certainly there's not going to be any on star players yeah you know yardage props you know are fairly popular but then you start getting down into you know completions receptions rushing attempts that kind of stuff and uh a lot of times that's where i found a lot of the most the most value because uh you know they're not as popular the lines don't move as quickly um they're not as sharp and uh that's just kind of the way the way it works out so, so in my
0: experience, rushing attempts tends to be the one that I will just, you know, obviously uh, I, I'm not out here modeling my stuff, but rush attempts is the one that I find when I am just kind of scoping through the menu for a given week. Those are the ones where I find myself thinking, well, that just can't possibly be right one way or the other. Um, You know, could be, it could be uh, like a good one to look out for in, in um, football is rushing attempts for quarterbacks where if the rushing attempts do not change based on the uh either the spread right So like let's, let's say Josh Allen's rushing attempts is the same for a game where they are 13 point favorites against the Steelers versus when they're underdogs to the Chiefs or whoever. Uh, and that can go either way right because it, it counts kneel downs but just if if you are in the menu and you notice that a quarterback's rushing attempts are staying the same regardless of their opponent, it's wrong one way or the other you know obviously I couldn't say which direction it is I I do know just that that Mahomes's stuff is frequently wrong it's it's yeah. frequently uh like it's four and a half as a ten point favorite against the Raiders, but then it's also like for example, last playoff game against the Ravens it was also four and a half and I was yeah. like well, it's just it's just wrong you know it can't it can't be four and a yeah. half against the Ravens.
1: Yeah, I was, I was big on that one. I bet that one. I put it out publicly. Um, it was four and a half plus money. It was four and a half, like plus 110, plus 115. Um, and Mahomes, uh, he was either first or second in the league in, in kneel downs this year. He averaged one and a half per game, but yep. they're the Chiefs and they were usually winning. So like, of course, he's going to get the kneel downs. When they're playing as an underdog, uh, the Blitz actually only projected him for about half a kneel down. So that's a full carry um, just from the spread there that the market was not accounting for. Wound up losing. He got three kneel downs at the end, which sucked. But had they lost the game, he doesn't get there. Um, oh, so, see, uh, so
0: that's so funny. That's so different in our perspectives because I was on the over on that one. And I was like, so I was on the over one because you always have the kneel down equity with him. So like, that's another thing too, is if you just are, I mean, this is really in the weeds, but if you're in a same game parlay type situation and you're finding that like, so let's so say you bet the chief spread and you bet Mahomes' is rushing attempts and the same game Parlay is treating those as negatively correlated. Uh yeah, no, if you're treating them as negatively correlated instead of positively correlated, that's a small edge. But the reason why I was on the Mahomes prop was not for the kneel downs, although you do always have the kneel down equity with him. It's that he, uh, there are a couple quarterbacks that are like this. He's definitely one of them. Purdy actually is another one where the more competitive a game is, the more important a game is, the more likely they are to run. Like Mahomes for his whole career has ran more in the playoffs than he has in the regular season, um, averages more yards per carry. Actually, Mahomes, this is I mean, it's kind of neither here nor there. He is the Chiefs' all-time postseason leading rusher just because he's been in so many postseason games <laughs> for them. But that so that right there actually would be an example of why you are able to frequently get these lines because you are up against people like me where I'm not, I'm not double-checking that shit. I'm not running it through any kind of modeling. I'm saying Mahomes is going to run more times than this because he's going to have to run more times than this, and you have the kneel-down math, which is an illustration of why when people say, like, oh, sports betting is solved, you can't beat it. Like, it definitely is not. There are definitely still many edges that can be found. You kind of just have to hunt for them.
1: Yeah, exactly. And some of them are, are kind of hidden. It's stuff you wouldn't think about, or it's stuff that even if you are using a projection system, you know, someone else's system might not be accounting for it. Like I doubt many projection systems are projecting quarterback carries on such a granular level that it's saying, okay, these are his scrambles. These are his designed runs. These are his kneel downs. These are his sneaks. Like it's, you know, probably looking at just like the overall carries for the year and averaging them out and whatever but like if you actually you go into that granular level and you project out okay this is his neil projection um you know you can find edges um you can find edges like that that just no one's accounting for
0: yeah um so i guess i mean most people 99.9% of people even people who are really into uh, sports and and fantasy sports and the people who would be be listening to this like just basically giant nerds they are not able to or or unwilling either either unable or unwilling to do you know the the legwork behind uh, what it would take to build a projection system so how often do you have trouble with you put out a play and it immediately either moves. Uh, I mean, I know that, for example, uh, our, our friends at Data Golf. so I've used their tools to bet on golf for a long time, was one of those things where, yeah, it used to be able to just like, yeah, I log on to my betting site of, of choice. It's off by 10% there, 20% there. I'm getting down to whatever I want. I'm winning every other week. And now some books just straight up copy their numbers, just wait for them to publish their stuff on a Monday and then just, just copy it. Um, how often are you running into, into that issue?
1: To this point, thankfully, I don't know of any books that are copying my numbers. It's something that I worry is gonna happen at some point. Um, especially in baseball. Like as soon as I put a play out, the line moves. Um, it's just it's just automatic. Um even if I don't put it out, I mean, just having my projections out there. Um sure. whether whether it's because the projections are sharp or because people are using them, or probably more likely a combination. You know, by the end of the day, even if I don't say anything myself publicly about it, like the lines are moving in the direction. Yeah,
0: if you put out, if you publish the bat on uh, a Wednesday morning in August, and you've got, uh, I don't know, uh, Bobby Wood Junior.'s double price is off by fifteen percent by the time you get around to like, oh, I'm going to go bet this over on uh, DraftKings or whatever, and then it's like, oh no, it's actually corrected now. This is not a winning wager anymore.
1: Right. Yeah. We, we see that a lot.
0: (laughs) Which is, uh, I mean, it it is obviously as someone who's like trying to get money down, that is frustrating, but it has to feel, um, gratifying to some, to some aspect to know that like you are having that influence.
1: Oh, it's great. I mean, it's certainly putting my stuff out there publicly. Definitely costs me money. Like if I were just to take it all, you know, take it all unpublic just use it myself to bet. Um, I mean, the thing that would be stopping me, obviously, is limits. Um, and that's part of the reason why people say, well, if it's so good, like, why do you have it available publicly? Like, limits are a thing, guys. They they just are. Um, so uh, I like putting it out there publicly, though, and I love seeing people doing well with it. I love seeing people make money. And it is cool to kind of see how it shapes the market.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, how often... What what is your experience with limiting been like? Just at the, at the various places where where you have accounts.
1: I mean, I've been limited at certain places. Um, as much as possible, you try to find ways to not get limited. Um, it's a lot easier said than done. No, we we talk um, that, that we talk really about easy. that a lot here.
0: Yeah, on the show about how to how to. Well, I'm, it's not a problem for me, but it's definitely a problem for people who listen.
1: Yeah. And that's really like one of the, I feel like one of the biggest misconceptions for casual bettors. Like they think the hardest part of sports betting is the winning is p- picking winners. Yeah. Which obviously that's not easy. Um, but really I feel like the harder part is, is just actually not being limited.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, that is so interesting. There, are, there are a couple things there. The first is it's not that hard to pick some winners, right? Like if, if, my, if, if just like guy X told me, he's like, yeah, you know, I've been betting for the last eight months and I'm like, I'm, I'm like 60%, like 60% of the slips that I put in at, at minus minus one ten or, or whatever, or, you know, approximated to that are winners. I'd actually be like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I probably believe that because if you're not, if you're not betting everything, if you're not constantly making decisions, like if I was going to bet two NBA games a night, for the entire season, without even like really following, just kind of knowing, not being that in the weeds, I I could probably get close to sixty percent. I have for each of the last three seasons picked every NFL game side, not not total, and been above fifty five percent, but not above fifty seven percent. So pretty key difference there. But the the issue is one, you, you get this, and I'm sure you get this all the time, kind of in the the the. You know, I don't think it's fair to call you a tout. I mean, you definitely are, but it's not fair because you're not uh pointing at the board and clicking the things. You know, you're the you're doing the math behind the system that puts it out there, but you will get these people who advertise, you know, the the Vegas Dave strategy, right? All I do is pick winners. I never I never lose. Guaranteed winners, you know, all the shippers, we win every single day, and I'm actually I'm more likely to disregard someone who goes at that angle, then it'd be like, yeah, like I win 62% of the time. I would maybe even believe someone is good enough to win 62% of the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously the the Vegas Dave approach works, but that's not the approach I take. Uh, I mean, I don't, I mean, (laughs) you're going to have to constantly churn subscribers as they realize, Hey, you're not, you're not constantly winning. Eventually that's going to dry up and it just is disingenuous. So I, uh, I keep a, I keep a a full, full transparency. I keep a, uh, like a full betting record. People can access publicly. They can get every bet I've ever made publicly and, uh, and what the final record is. And it's been really good, but I, um, I don't make any, any claims that like, I don't lose. I lose a lot. Um, there, there are stretches, uh, the last two baseball seasons, I ended April, both years down money full, a full month, both years, um, down and uh that would kind of make
0: sense with the bat though right because the it's working on incorporating so much data and the bat is going to be so big on large sample sizes
1: yeah i mean you still have past data and i don't know i i i I think it's just noise i think it's kind of just random it just happened to be in april um but betters all the good betters at least real betters they go through stretches like that. It's not abnormal. You don't need to panic. As long as your process is good, it's going to turn around. And it always has for me, but I'm never going to go out and pretend like after a losing month that like I'm crushing it. Like I'm not like my record is out there. I'm telling people to, you know, bet responsibly and intelligently. And as much as I give out, you know, picks and plays uh, because people do want that. I also try to make it a point to inform people about like, the right way to think about betting and the right way to bet and you know, how to manage your, your bankroll and like all that kind of stuff.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, those are, that's all very good. That's all very good advice uh, to follow. I, I do um, this, you can, this, this will be my, my, uh, the only thing that I can advise you on, which is how to not get limited at sports books. 90% of the time I'm not making wagers that are going to lead to me getting limited anyways. Um, like I, you know, I don't subscribe to, uh, you know, the ETR props package. I do bet the blitz, uh, like I'm betting the Nick Mullins over when I see that, like if I see an 18% edge, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be more mad if it's, if it's right. And I don't, and if I don't get it then, then anything else. Number 1 thing I can tell you to do is when you uh open up an account, just fire like 10 same game parlays and use use the boost that they give you. This is my no one has confirmed this to me. This is my working theory though that if you are consistently taking like the $10 max wager boost that these app gives you, they they think you're a fish. That that is oh. I think I think that's got to be true. Like if you are betting uh you know, and a lot of times it'll be region specific. So for me, It'll be like if I drove, if I drive, if I'm in Kansas City for a weekend, um, I'm gonna get you know K State football promo ten dollar max on whatever same game parlay for K State football that day. I I I think using those dumb shitty boosts that no one cares about is such a good beard for sharp action.
1: I kind of like that theory. I gotta work that in more. It just it just like. Because what you're
0: attempting to do, I mean, obviously, some of these books, um, there is uh, some of these operators will just do it like almost automatically where like if you if you win above a certain amount or if you have closing line value on like your first five wagers, like there's just no there's no coming back from that. But the sense that I have gotten from talking to people and uh, and and, like reading Ed Miller's book and stuff is that if when you when you first open the account if you do some dumb shit on it to begin with mm-hmm. you can you can then win a little bit after that before before anything right like basically almost un- unlimited uh sharp action for a little bit of time because your account is just not flagged in any direction
1: right exactly the more you can kind of present yourself to the book as a square, the more at least you're gonna get.
0: <laughs> yeah. So if anyone, if anyone is out there trying to not get limited, just ask me what I would bet. Just just be like, dude, what are you betting today? And I will give you some of the squarest, dumbest shit that you can <laughs> imagine putting in um to your props. So uh let's I, I do want to talk a little bit of of methodology for the blitz because football modeling is very interesting in that there is no number that you can associate to skill level. So for example, in baseball, weighted on base average is just like, I mean, yeah, you can, you can quibble with it or whatever, but it's like a pretty good distillation of how good a hitter and a pitcher can be, you know, base allowed versus gained, whatever basketball there's, you know, I mean, so much of that stuff is rate statistics based off of getting minutes correctly, but football is, I mean, you hear this all the time. It's, it's too complex of a game to model. That's why all the analytics is, is wrong. So I, I let's just let's just go with here. What do you do to solve for skill level in football modeling?
1: Uh it's you it's don't have to give away the secret sauce. Yeah, I, I don't want to give away too much. There's some secret sauce stuff I'm gonna kind of have to keep under wraps, but that's fine. Um I mean essentially essentially the the concept behind it isn't much different than the way I approach baseball or the way I would approach any sport where it's like, okay, first, you're just going to start off with what the guy did historically, you know? Okay. We want to know about his passing yards. Okay. Well, what did he do with his passing yards historically? Um, or on a rate basis, rate basis is always going to be better. But, uh, and then from there, You need to account for context in a sport like baseball it's a little bit easier to account for context because we can isolate the impact of the park of the opposing pitcher of the umpire whatever it is um it's easy enough to tease those effects apart in football it's a little bit tougher if you want to know how good a a quarterback is well his numbers are being directly influenced by the receivers that he's throwing to they're going to be somewhat indirectly influenced by the offensive line, the offensive scheme, um, you know, how often they're uh, they're running play action. Like there's so many different things, obviously the down, the distance, the field position, Every everything is gonna impact it. But ultimately what you wanna do is you wanna neutralize for all of it. You wanna neutralize for all the context so that eventually you get down to one core number that just isolates the player himself. Um, and that's a lot easier said than done but that's kind of the key, in my opinion, for a sport like football where the variables are kind of so intermingled.
0: So let's take like uh, one of the most common situations that we get in NFL DFS and in NFL betting. A star wide receiver misses a game. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb is missing. And we look at the remaining scattering of Charlie Jones's and Parker Washington's and uh, Noah Brown's, you know, we, and we just, we look at this depth chart and we go, all right, what do we do? Who do we, who do we play here in DFS? Who, how does this impact the offense as a whole? What does removing Justin Jefferson from the Vikings offense do? What is removing Stephon Diggs from the Buffalo Bills offense do from just from like, uh, you know, it's, it's Wednesday morning and you're putting the pieces together. How do you uh start to approximate what let's, let's, let's call it the Vikings since we actually had this happen this year. So Justin Jefferson's not going to be playing. What do you start to do from that
1: point? So, obviously when that happens especially if it's a situation that we haven't seen before um there is guesswork involved like there has to be we're we're very much estimating yeah um we know that there's so many targets that Jefferson is going to vacate that have to go to other people um the way i kind of approach it is first as much as possible you want to try to understand the roles of each player on the team like just because you know whoever jefferson's out doesn't mean this other guy is going to step in his role and just get all the targets obviously like it's not going to happen or like sometimes it's not that you know if jefferson's out you know maybe the third wide i don't know i forget if this was the case this year but maybe the third wide receiver you might think is going to get this big boost he's going to step up into the number two role but actually it's like that fourth guy that actually fills the Jefferson. a good example that was with the Bengals this year with jamar chase um what it seemed like if i have this right when higgins was out Trent Irwin was the guy that would step in and kind of play that that T. Higgins role. But when Jamar Chase was out, it was the guy's name I'm going to butcher, Andre Igu- Civius or whatever. Joshi Yeah, Yep, him. He, he would more step in. So, like, it's that kind of thing you want to try to understand as much as you can. Um, and then also, we do have historical co- comparisons that we can use. So, like, sometimes, you know, okay, uh, J- Justin Jefferson's out, so... Uh, that means Jordan Addison is going to get a whole bunch of extra work now, right? Like he's going to be the alpha. He's going to get all this, all these extra targets. Um, and I feel like the projections the first week for him, like some some systems had him for like a thirty percent target share, which he just he just never wound up doing because that doesn't happen usually. Like guys don't get that big of a bump. So like right. I will have data where I can go back and I can look historically and I can say, okay, when the one A is out. What happens to the 1B on average? What does his target share go up? Does his efficiency go down because he's going to be, uh, you know, the defense is going to key on him more. Um, the answer to both is yes. And I kind of have uh, an average number in in a situation like that, for example, to say, okay, well, based on what we've seen historically, this is on average how much they go up based on what we know about the offense. Maybe it's a little more, it's a little less, whatever it is. Um, but that's kind of the way you approach it. And it is guesswork, but it is uh As much as possible, you try to base it on something.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's educated, it's educated guesswork, right? Like, even, uh, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's heuristics based, right? So it's like, this is what I normally do when stud wide receiver, stud wide receiver A is out. I don't think this good wide receiver B actually is as good maybe as the market thinks. This is literally just the T Higgins thing. Like I am not a big play T Higgins when Jamar chase is out guy, um, you know, like a lot of different ways that that can go. And then, you know, the same thing happens with running backs, although that is generally speaking more, that's pretty much more straightforward from, from a modeling perspective, I would think like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, if, if, uh, if Tony Pollard is out, we're just giving Rico Dowdle uh, Tony Pollard's points more or less actually probably Tony Pollard, probably more than, <laughs> than you would uh, Rico probably outscores him.
1: Yeah. Yeah running backs are a little more straightforward because the talent part is less important. The role is a little bit easier to figure out. You don't always know. I mean, you can have a week 18 where CMC is out and everyone thinks Jordan Mason's going to be the guy. And and he's not, it's Eli Mitchell. Like it just, that happens. Um, But it is a little more straightforward to figure out where the running back work's going to go as opposed to targets.
0: Yeah. Um, And then I guess for baseball modeling, I, I would be curious how often you are making wholesale changes right so like i you know tweaks here and there uh for like for example what ed, what did um all of the ball switching do to your data like how much like not only obviously the the super happy fun ball season itself but then the impact on those players outputs over that time frame like how much of a mess was that to correct for
1: yeah it was a little bit of a mess Uh, thankfully the bat was already designed a little bit to be able to account for that sort of thing. Like it understood that the league level was going to be different from year to year. We hadn't really seen swings that massive, but it was treating, you know, 30 home runs in a low home run year as being more impressive than 30 home runs in a, in a high home run year to begin with. But then the thing that we really needed to account for was, okay, what is the environment actually right now? And that's the harder part. Um, and so I had to design a whole thing where the bat could uh, basically take take in the most recent data, um, you know, run it through a series of tests, and and basically decipher what what its best estimate of the run environment right now actually is. And thankfully, that stuff stabilizes pretty quickly within like the first week of a season. Um, probably before that, first half a week of a season, we can have a pretty good idea of how the ball is going to play. And it's set up so that, okay, they switched the ball in July. Um, it'll adjust on the fly if it notices that happen kind of thing. So it's it's constantly uh, constantly adjusting for that. But that was not something that when I first built the model, I even thought about it that I would ever have to do
0: now, how often or or I guess in what ways does other data feed into your model, right? so it's it's not entirely insular, like, right? Like are you using? uh i guess you know for for baseball like it, it does zips or any of these other projections come in or even um you know uh like vegas data like like line data i mean for for the blitz even like with, with the dome stuff that's so fascinating right cuz like the dome stuff is definitely going to be the the model like people are betting saints games knowing that it's in a dome right mm-hmm. um how so how is like how is some of that more public facing information feeding back into the model?
1: Uh, Very, very little Uh, for baseball, none whatsoever. Um, I feel like it's hard to know exactly how like other modelers do things, but I feel like my approach is very different. My impression is that a lot of modelers kind of start, they take more of like a top top down kind of approach to projecting. where like, they'll start with that Vegas data. And they'll be like, okay, you kind of described at the beginning, you know, like, okay, this is the the total. This is kind of how many plays we expect, and this is how the usage is going to get distributed. Whereas I'm approaching it from the exact opposite direction. I'm I'm doing a bottom up projection, um, which I think I think a top down projection is a lot easier to make a decent projection, but it's very difficult to make a great one. Whereas well, that's bottom- And that's
0: what so much of what people are doing, right? Is like so much of, of modeling is done from a top down and you're getting close enough. You're approximating, um, you're approximating a good projection. You're approximating what, uh, you know, the game might look like on the field, but you're not in a way, you're not even really predicting anything. Right?
1: Yeah. No, you're, you're kind of just saying, okay, this is what Vegas thinks. And this is kind of how that correlates to all these different things. And, like that's fine. You can get a decent model out of that, but you can't really get a great one. Whereas if you're building from the bottom up the way I do, you can get a great model because you're doing it all yourself. You can also make a terrible model if you do it wrong. So it, uh, it it's kind of, you know, each one kind of has their own, their own things to consider. But when you're building from the bottom up the way I do, um, what was the question originally? I don't even know how we got on this. So, so how that public facing, so like, okay, for example, public facing information. Yeah. So I don't use it. You know, I'm not using the Vegas line to do my own thing. Like I'm starting from scratch. I'm saying, you know, for football, like, okay, very first thing I need to know is how many plays are going to be run here. So like, what is the pace of each team? How do we expect, you know, the time of possession to shake out? Like how many plays are each of these teams going to run? And then from there, it's like, okay, well, what does the play calling distribution look like within that? And you break it down from there, you know, Trees upon trees upon trees upon trees until you figure out everything that you need to figure out Um, with each of those branches along the way, having its own kind of underlying projection to get to, you know, that context neutral version of whatever it is. So it's extremely complicated, but it does, if done right, bring you to um, a better number. In my opinion. Okay,
0: so that's kind of interesting. So when I uh when when we at Daily Roto were when Daily Roto still existed and I was uh working on the projections, I mean I didn't do any of the the mathy stuff, you know, the 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 play projection, sack rates, anything like that. That was all algorithmically, you know, uh, formula based, basically. Like all I was doing was like uh actually Rashi Rice should be getting 23% of the targets in this projection not 19% and then the fantasy number was uh was coming out um after that so my i guess my follow up question to that would be how often if you are starting from the bottom from the most granular level how often is your score projection for Green Bay Detroit close to what the Vegas line, you know, the line at FanDuel would be? Or are you actually routinely finding where you'd be off by more than a point or two from those
1: spots? Uh, It's generally pretty close to the Vegas line. Um, I would say on average, I don't bet a lot of game lines, but, you know, every week I kind of look through just to see. Sure. My just kind of my general impression is like on a week-to-week basis, on average, there's maybe two games where the blitz thinks the spread is off by more than more than like two or three points um and it's it's almost never off by more than like five um you know it's it's generally pretty close to the to what vegas thinks which which is a good thing um you know back internal back tests have shown that it's a little more accurate which is nice um but uh it's not like you're getting massive deviations on the game level
0: that I so that's I mean obviously like that is so fascinating to think that there are and not even to think to know that there are multiple from the ground up play by play level so I I guess actually I don't know I we haven't we're we're forty minutes into this and I haven't mentioned the word uh, simulations to you yet so let's forget what I was just talking about and I want to talk to you about simulations because I I'm curious if you are doing any play level simulation in your projections or if that is, you know, because obviously I don't know shit about math, that could be like an entire different branch of thing that you are either you not that into, not your style of math. Like, I, I just don't even know.
1: Yeah, I don't do any simulations myself, at least in the strict sense of the word. I feel like that's kind of like the new, like, hot button term. Like, oh, simulations oh, yeah. are so cool and smart. And if you're not doing simulations, like, simulations is just another way of getting to the number um when we're talking about projections at least like I don't have anything against simulations I think they can be done really well I don't think you have to use simulations to make a really good projection essentially the way I do it it's getting to the same place as simulation it's just kind of doing it in a different way um the only place where I guess I'm doing something that's closer to a true simulation is when we talk about sports betting um you can't just take like the mean projection uh you know like nick mullins is projected for whatever the bat had him projected for 360 yards or whatever like it was just an insane projection and you can't compare that to you know his over-under is 280 and a half so it's uh it's an 80 yard difference it's not really an 80 yard difference it's still obviously going to show a big edge because it's huge but it's not 80 yards huge so what you really kind of want to do is almost have sort of a simulation or or something like a simulation that says okay um if the average is is 360 uh how often is he going to go over 280 and a half um so like a good example is like uh uh like like quarterback rushing yards is a good one where you like the distribution okay. is is not normal. Like you're gonna get a lot of okay QB sneak for one yard, uh, you know quarterback scramble for two yards, and then he breaks. In, one anyone for who's
0: two- ever watched like uh, Tom Brady get out of the pocket and realize there's no defender within thirty yards of him, like those those th- that'll happen. Kirk Cousins, it- yeah. it'll happen. You'll 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 see it. Those are very random
1: plays, right? And so okay, maybe you know Kirk Cousins average yards you know, average yards per game is like seven, but, uh, you know, that's inflated because he had a couple of 40 yard runs that he just managed to break off and the rest are all, you know, kneel downs or QB sneaks or whatever. Um, so like you do need like a simulation or at least some sort of distribution, um, to kind of account for that sort of thing on the betting side, because you can't just assume that the mean number is actually like the median number where fifties over and fifties under cause it's not. So you need a, a way to translate that.
0: Yeah. That is that's uh wow, I I had never I never really thought about that as it pertains to to quarterback rushing yards, but yeah, that would be that would be so true. You know, most quarterback rushing attempts from your non-rushing quarterbacks are just going to be like almost like non-programmable. Like how do you how do you tell how do you tell a computer that like, yes, every, like once every, uh, 9.7 games, the defenders are going to completely forget that this guy is ambulatory and that he has legs and that he can, um, you know, uh, escape out of the, out of the pocket. Um, so all of that is, uh, all of that is fairly interesting. So I, I guess, uh, we're, we're all, we're pretty much done with football. You know, we are, we are mostly thinking, um, about baseball. Now, do you find that, uh. Do you find that you differ from the market more in football or baseball? I, I would guess football, you find yourself more divorced from the market. Um, but that could be wrong.
1: Um, I would say at, I would say football, definitely more, I think in general, because football is more popular. Uh, there's more soft money going into the markets. CLV for football props. I don't put a whole lot of stock into because like, football prop markets are just so inefficient even where they close like they don't always close even in the direction where they should sometimes just because there's so much square money going into it uh whereas baseball like the numbers may start kind of off at the beginning of the day but almost always they're going to correct by by the evening where you know there's some value but it's not what it was before whereas football you can still find good value days after the market opens. You can still find value on Sunday. Some of the props haven't moved at all. Um, and so- yeah.
0: Only only the really popular ones. Like that's, it's so funny, you know, but like whatever, you know, is making its way around- Fucking TikTok or what? You know, uh-huh. the 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 threads. You know, if, if Salvetri gets his hands a hold of uh of some incentive based or whatever that the, the Boston Scott anytime Boston touchdown Scott touchdown. <laughs> just like whatever whatever becomes the meme will get bet to shit. But pretty like if it's if you're just you know you're betting Tyler Boyd under three and a half receptions and your model has that as just a smash, you could probably bet that for a hundred bucks on every site that's offering it, and it won't move, and it'll just be there for you all all week, pretty much. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There's certainly exceptions, but the market is much less sensitive in football than it is in baseball, at least in my experience.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Well, the bat is coming out. Uh, I, I believe you just got done with the first run of it for the 2024 season. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yep. Went up live at Fangraphs yesterday for the first time. So, uh, it's, uh, it's always exciting kind of looking through the first run and seeing what it thinks of players.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Well, where can people access it? How can people if they if they're into this, if they if they want 17% edges versus the market every so often, how can people engage with uh with the bat and uh with advanced sports analytics?
1: Yeah, you can find the bat um for season long fantasy for free at Fangraphs. Uh for sports betting and for DFS, it's by subscription. DFS is at RotoGrinder, sports betting is at EV Analytics. Uh it's been great. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Derek Hardy. You can find uh, in my my highlights, I think they call it now, uh, my betting sheet where I track every bet. You can see exactly historically how well it's done. And that's just on stuff that I'm putting out and stuff that I'm putting out like on shows where it has to be like at this exact time. And it's just like whatever happens to be available is what I'm limited to being able to take. Like if you're using this by yourself and you're getting ahead of the market and you're having access to the full projections, like there are users that are crushing it.
0: Yeah, there we go. All right, uh, everyone. Well, if you want to crush it, if you want to engage, I, I will, I will. I don't often endorse products on this show. This is the take cast. This Sweden or uh, Switzerland. We bring people on. I will say, I do use only the bat for MLB DFS. I don't. I I literally wouldn't even know how to find other Major League Baseball DFS projections. So that is as much of a ringing endorsement as I can give here on this program. Uh, Everyone, thank you for listening. Make sure that you are checking out uh, the Bat Blitz, all that good stuff. Uh, Follow Cardi on Twitter, and we'll be back next week.
1: Is it just me, or is it getting really hard to figure out the best way to save for retirement? Fidelity can help you find clarity so you can save the best way for you. With a free personalized plan, goal tracking, and timely insights, you'll be set to take on retirement your way. Get started at fidelity.com future. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services member N Y S E S I P C. SIPC.